Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fans. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. Everybody and welcome to the 216th episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter, and I am joined by uh, the most prolific podcaster among all Seahawks podcasters, Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter. Dana, it is lovely to see you. How are you, how are you doing? Oh my God. I, everyone's got to be so sick of me at this point. Seriously. Like, I swear to God, I do like four podcasts a week and I enjoy them. I have such a good time Two about the whole NFL, two about Seahawks, but I'm like, people are going to be burned out. That's it's, it might be too much. It might be too much. I think so. I mean, <laughs> you know, do you think people like get sick of hearing from, you know, the best of the best that oh my goodness so <laughs> not hardly yeah no not at all but i do enjoy it i i have fun and in um honest to god i think there's a lot to talk about i have no idea who's joining the show here is john p i'm very curious and uh we'll see if this ends up i don't know who that is i don't know who john is and he's gonna get removed that was a fun, <laughs> fun part of the I'm part of the show. Welcome. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, did I put the wrong thing on? No, I don't think I did. Did I? No, I used. 
I always we're good people. Posted. We're just a little flustered. It's Thursday, so we're all oh, from. Oh, see, I did. I posted. I posted the um, join link to yeah. So John P, my apologies. I'm an idiot. Um, I, I've always worried I'm going to do that one of these times. I post the Zoom join link, and so now all John, of we love you. can join the show. This could be a really entertaining show. Why not? Um, Why not? Uh, I'm going to post a right link. <laughs> John was probably like, what the hell? I just wanted to watch it. Yeah, John's like, why are you kicking me out? And how did this happen? Uh, that was fun. I like that. Um, it is going to be an entertaining show one way or another. It's already off to a good start. Uh, we have to put some hijinks on the, 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 the menu because it was a brutal weekend. Oh, mm-hmm. um, you know, the first weekend you had talked about uh, the first week, you're like, I don't know if I can watch this game with, with Denver. I'm going to be pacing. I might just skip it because uh, you were worried that the Seahawks might just lay an egg. I'm curious if you felt the same way going into the 49er game. Um, and, and, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Did, did you have the same like nerves about that game? No, it's, it's weird. And I, I know it's probably illogical, but there are just certain games that just don't sit well with me. And, and it was definitely the Denver game. The 49ers games are not it for me. Um, Seattle usually plays the 49ers really well. Um, if, you know, especially over the last few years, but, um, I find division games so fascinating because not only can you watch what your team does, but you watch how the other teams respond to, and you kind of know how they'll play. So I like, I like divisional games. I like them. I think that they are usually the most competitive. You see, not always. Sometimes they're really not, but, but but they can be the most competitive. So um, I, I liked this. I know that this game was, it was hard to watch, but I felt really compelled to watch the whole thing, to see what was going wrong, to see what was um, happening on the field and why. I think we got a ton of insight after the game, especially if you listen to any of the local media in Seattle, if you listen to the press conferences, um, this game to me, and you might disagree, was just a complete emotional letdown after week one. Hmm. And I didn't expect it to happen because they usually get up for the 49ers games. But I think it was just too much. And I think Pete even said that in his press conference. He did. Pete has been admitting a lot of things that he doesn't normally admit. Uh, and we talked about on this show that one of the things Pete rarely does, I don't think I've ever heard Pete say this game meant more than another game, like even playoff games. Like he, every game is a championship opportunity. He's got the mantra. We've heard it every time you treat every game like a championship so that when you get there, it's not any bigger than any other game and blah, blah, blah. But he said the game against Denver was different and it meant more. He said it, he said it multiple times in multiple different ways. And part of the reason he learned the lesson that he did that got him to that philosophy as annoying or unbelievable as we might think it is, is that he had situations where he let his teams believe that one game was bigger than another. And it often then led to a letdown. So while I don't think that's on my top five reasons that the Seahawks played the way they played, I think it's a valid one. Um, and I think, I think there's, you know, there's credence to, to um, you know, bring that up as, as one of the issues. I, I think the interesting thing to me, Dana, is 
I'm not surprised to hear that this wasn't a game that you were like nervous about because I hadn't, I don't know if I've ever been as calm going into a game that I expected the Seahawks to lose against a team and franchise that I hate and fan base that I hate. And I was surprised that it ended up being as big of a uh, margin as it turned out to be. I also just wasn't that upset about it. Like I, I haven't, I haven't been losing sleep this week. I haven't been like, you know, gnashing my teeth, wondering what it all means and how the Se- like, this is kind of who the Seahawks are going to be from time to time. We're back to 2010, 2011, where they can lose bad and, and it's going to happen sometimes. So it is interesting. I, I, I think, uh, for whatever reason, this game just didn't mean that much to me. And that's rare for a 49er game. I think what it is, at least for us in this group, and I've seen it a lot on Twitter, is that this season, we get it, right? Like this season, we know there's going to be ups and downs. We know, I mean, hell, Quandre Diggs saying, well, I guess we're just bad. It's like, mm, I, I didn't like that comment because it sounded <laughs> a little defeatist. I mean, he's not wrong right now, but it sounded a little defeatist. And that's not something we normally hear out of this team. But at the same time, they get it too. You know what I mean? They they get it too. And so um, I think that for the good or bad of it, we're just not as emotionally invested this year, knowing that there is going to be issues. Now, what went on in this game was crazy. Um, and I expect a lot of those issues to be cleaned up Will they be fixed? Probably not, but cleaned up some by Sunday. At least I would hope so. Good Lord. We need this team to be more watchable. Well, so let's let's talk about the team and what we saw. I, I, I look at it and, you know, Seahawks run game on offense. Everyone's, you know, bringing up it's, it's like one of the worst in football. It's nowhere near where they want it to be. Sure. I actually earlier on in that game was seeing the Seahawks get more push than they get did against Denver. There was five, six yard runs and they just couldn't, they couldn't get back to it. Um, They weren't on the field long enough. I think that they certainly had some plays where they weren't able to run the ball well. And the offense just felt similar to what we saw early last year, where it just felt so predictable and uninventive. So it was it was just very vanilla, and I just don't think they, they weren't on the field long enough to really do much. And then when they tried to do something that wasn't vanilla, it was one of the maybe most comically bad plays I've ever seen for the Seahawks. And yes, the Super Bowl was bad in that play, but but this was like grade school. Like you watch like little kids and you're like, oh, that looked really stupid. It looked that bad when DJ Dallas threw that pass, Dana. It it did. It didn't. It wasn't as bad as the crowd having to count down a play clock, but it was bad. All right, it was really bad. It was. Um, I think they said they were going to throw that play out, and Pete even said after the game, "I don't know why I left him." That is the worst comment, by the way. Right? Like, I thought it was hilarious. I'm like, he's like, sure, why the hell not? Everything else is going wrong. This game. Let's just let's just see what happens. But I will tell you that I think we saw some good runs. We saw a couple that got called back. We know that, you know, but I do think that 
one thing that has to be, and I preached this and preached this, but I'm just going to say it again. We have to remember how good the 49er defense is. Their defense is good. You guys, that just, I mean, top tier, so good. Um, and we have to give them credit for that. Right. Plus they probably knew there was going to be a lot of design runs. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they, how they use it next week against a team that doesn't have a very good defense and a team that isn't as good to see if maybe we can see that develop to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, I just felt like at some point they were in full screw it. Let's see what happens mode. And that's never good because that's the mark of a team that has nothing to fight for, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. I, it was it was rough um and and i i actually thought everyone like talked about gino i i thought gino was okay like people were like oh man he threw those interceptions or he you know he threw at some point he had to throw it into harm's way in order to give a chance i think hufanga is going to be i think that guy looks like he might be the next all pro safety i hate to say it but he i saw him in, in, in against the bears he looks really strong and against us he also like was a playmaker i think that guy's gonna be up there and and so he made a great play and made a pick um i, I think that um <laughs> they're not asking gino to do much and he's doing what they're asking him to do the guy completed at one point i think he started the game like 16 of 18 or 18 for 20 whatever it was i mean he's completing pretty much every pass um and he was not forcing most passes into harm's way so some of it comes back to you know the way that they're calling the offense and you know he had a 54 yard pass to to dk called back because abe lucas was too far down the field so i don't know I, of all the problems and they're pretty much problems everywhere you look, Dana. Gino's just not the one that comes to mind for me. And maybe it's because my expectations are just so low, but I wasn't sitting there looking and thinking, oh man, he's he's the reason here. Like first place I looked, Dana, is the defense. Like we couldn't stop the inside run. We couldn't stop the outside run. We couldn't stop the passes. We couldn't tackle anybody when they caught the ball or when they ran the ball. It was pretty much a total disaster on defense. Um, and, and I think that's where you got to start. You do. And I think that um, I don't think we need to give a ton of credit to Jimmy Garoppolo on that. God, sorry. Sorry. I mean, we do have to say, I, I am really sad that Trey Lance got hurt. I, I want to put that out there. I wanted to see what this kid brought to the table, good or bad, right? Like, I wanted to see that. But um, they... This was not Jimmy swooped in and saved the day. Um, I think it's more um, the Seattle defense seemed to have fallen apart quite a bit. The whole, I don't understand this. Maybe you can explain to me. The whole bend, don't break thing. It's like, yeah, give a little. Yeah, give a little. Yeah, give a little. Okay, but we held them at the red zone. That is not going to work all the damn time, right? No. And then the walk in because no one bothered to cover the player. To, um, was it the tight end? I think it was the tight end. Of the oh yeah. You know, he, there was not a soul around him. And I think that's where 
Quandre's frustration came in because I think he knew if Jamal was there that it would be different. And we have to all admit that. Um, but someone has to step in this place. Miscommunications are going to happen occasionally, but we saw a game, a full game of, of a defense which breaks my heart, right? Because that's where they're supposed to be somewhat good this year. We expected some stutters from the offense, but the defense, it was a huge letdown for me. You know how much I love defense. And this was a huge letdown for me. Um, I don't know. And we had this conversation in our chat. I, I don't know that it's is it a talent issue? Is it a bunch of rookies? Is it um, new defense? I will say Clint Hurt said this week, you know, I don't know if you listened to um, KJ Wright's on uh, Brock and Sock on yesterday, but I listened to his whole hour and he said flat out that Clint Hurt said that they were going to be more aggressive during preseason. He came out at that press conference, they were going to be more aggressive. And, and KJ had a really good point. He's like, what does that mean? Does that just mean, you know, more blitzes, more this? Well, they were real predictable and it was real obvious. And KJ's like, if you're going to be aggressive, that's great, but you got to change it up. And I think that's it. Are they still learning that system? Or is, is this what Clint Hurt is bringing to the table? I really don't think so. It's only two games in, but I'm a little concerned now, I guess is the only word for it. Well, I had this uh, somewhat of a debate uh, on Twitter with someone today about, I mean, in my tale of the tape that I published today that's previewing the Falcons game against the Seahawks, I said that the Seahawks have one of, you know, at this point, they're one of the least talented teams in the NFL. And the person was like, well, I don't think that's, um, I don't think that's possible that they're, they're way too they're way too talented to say that they have so much potential. And I think that the P word is, is really dangerous here. The P word means that you haven't actually put it on tape, that you haven't actually done what's necessary in order to be a good player and considered talented. Now you can have physical attributes. You can have things that we're excited about, but until you actually impact the game in a positive way, um, potential's worthless to me. So I get excited about players that have traits that I can project and can imagine what they could be. But like Ricardo Lockett was one of the best athletes the Seahawks have had at wide receiver. He's not one of the best wide receivers that ever played. David Moore had amazing physical traits. Um, Jameson Conts had amazing physical traits. Uh, you know, Christian Sicoli had amazing physical traits. That does not mean any of them were great players. So I look at the Seahawks right now and I say, like, who's a great player on this team? Who is a proven great player on this team? And I think that even if I say DK Metcalf, who nobody has better physical traits than DK Metcalf, and he's actually put some things on tape and done some things. DK Metcalf's not a top 10 receiver in this league right now. Like, I think you might be able to argue he's not a top 20 receiver in this league right now. I don't know. I haven't done, like, I haven't looked through the whole list. But 
go down. Tell me who's a top 10 player at their position on the Seahawks roster. Give me one. Center. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Just joking. No, I, I get what you're saying. I. It's hard with the offense because I would normally say, you're right, it's DK or it's Tyler or Rashad Penny when he can run. But in the two games, no. But overall, do I think they'll get there? Yeah, I do. But I don't right now, no. Defense, I'm going to live and die by Quandre Diggs because that's all we got right? That's all we got right now. Um, I'm so disappointed in what I'm seeing in Jordan Brooks right now. I'm really hoping he kind of figures that out. Same with Taylor. Um, and yet I really don't want to overreact because I want to remember it's just two games in and we've paid two emotional and hard games. And so I'm giving a little grace there, but at the same time, frustration is the only adjective I had for that game, especially for the defense. But I think if you go back to your top 10 players, who they are, I don't know that we have any right now, who they could, who could be. I do think the DKs and the Quandres and I don't know, Al Woods, honest to God, maybe. God love Al Woods. You know, know. I don't know either. Hopefully he's, he's 36 or whatever. So like, Hey, 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 I love my Al Woods. Trust me, I, I know all about that. But I, I'm not saying it because I am losing faith in who the Seahawks are, that the Seahawks are, you know, worthless or anything like that. But I'm also not going to just sit here and act like, oh, yeah, they just uh, laid, laid an egg. The Seahawks project to be much better than this. At, like, they played like a team that is one of the worst defensive teams and one of the worst offensive teams, and they haven't scored for six quarters in a row. They haven't run well. They haven't particularly passed well since the first half. They haven't defended the run that well, and they haven't defended well, They defended the pass okay. Um, yeah, I think they improved. If you're going to find something, that that is the one thing. And they improved in defending the run, but it was... Like let's not let's not play the game where we say something that they're not. Like agreed. The team in the Seahawks team in 2010 was super like that was not a talented roster. And they made the playoffs and they had the Beast Quake run and all that stuff was great. Team in 2011 was also had some holes but we started to see it come together. And so the point is is you you call a spade a spade so that when it actually turns, when you actually see them show up that you can point to it and say, that's it. That's what we're looking for. And that is not, <laughs> that's not what we're seeing right now. Daryl Taylor's a perfect example. Jordan Brooks, a perfect example. I don't even think about Cody Barton because I don't think Cody Barton's that good to begin with. But like, I don't think that we've, like even a Boye Mafe, like we have not seen the, it doesn't mean that they have to sustain it. But show me one play, one play over the course of a full game where you're like, oh, that's it. And, I, and we're I just seeing the one plays. I want to know how I get princess hours like Mr. Nathan here that just gets to show up when he wants to. That That's good. I, I want to be able to just teasing you. <laughs> he's, you know, he's, he's a vested vet. So he, uh, he shows up as he sees fit. You know, Evan's, Evan's under the weather. Jeff's got... You know, girlfriend, family stuff going on last minute. So <laughs> Nathan Tom Brady, he gets he's, he gets a veterans day. <laughs> coming off an illness himself. So we're just happy to see him back.
yeah, I can I can skip off and do uh, Mass Singer and come in whenever I whenever I want. It's fine. How you doing, Nathan? At Nathan Eleven on Twitter. Good to see you, dude. Yeah, good to see you. I'm I'm doing pretty good. Uh, how are you? I, I suppose we already did all this. We did. We did. We're, we're just going to restart the show for everyone. I think now <laughs> we're officially starting. We've been basically oh. just trying to find my mic levels to be appropriate. I'm either way too loud or way too quiet. And and you know how that is. We've had that with you um, mm-hmm. from time to time. So um, maybe I'll hand the baton to you. It can be your turn. Um, Have you? Uh, so, well, there's some echo. I, I don't know if that's me. Um, uh, the comments about Jeff's internet and microphone levels are always so sweet and adorable people just desperately they love jeff and they just want to hear what he has to say i don't know if you've ever gone and looked through the comments but it's always like jeff i love you you have great things to say please move to a first world country where they have broadband so i can listen to you better <laughs> it's it's always i love him he's got to move out to california way get him yeah. the internet yep i hear that uh yeah so i mean we were just we we're having this conversation because I was in a little bit of a micro debate on Twitter with someone about this notion of like whether the Seahawks roster is one of the least talented, uh, and they were saying that they have high, that they have a lot of potential. You can't say that they're the least talented, and and so that I went on my rant about how useless potential is if it's not showing up on the field. Um, we had a Christian Sicoli comment, we had a Jameson Conks, you know, comment. So you missed all that, but uh, I mean. Dana's right. Like this isn't like this could easily be interpreted as, oh my gosh, whiplash, back and forth, overreaction. I don't feel that way. I just I'm looking for the team to show up and I'm not seeing it emerge yet. I'm kind of curious through two games, like how are you feeling about where the Seahawks are in different parts of the game versus where you thought they might be or hoped that they might be? I mean, I think that the team if you had hopes for this team, and I was talking about them being a playoff team and, and Trey predicted them to be a playoff team, I don't think those are dead by any means. Um, you know, uh, even people that thought this team could win nine or some games, and maybe that would be enough to get into the playoffs, I don't, no one thought they were going to be an NFC favorite or a Super Bowl contender or anything like that. And, and the Niners very well may be that. They looked, they looked great against Seattle. I mean, obviously, they looked pretty terrible against the Bears the week before, but you know, week one, you kind of just throw it out, um, which means you probably should all throw out the Broncos win. And, uh, you know, who knows how good they are. But like, I mean, the, the whole point of this is it's two games and they played one probable playoff team and beat them. And they played one possible, you know, uh, conference title game contender and got smashed. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this team. I think we're going to learn a lot over the next two weeks when they play, uh, a couple teams that should be pretty far down on the 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 ladder, right? And so if they come out and they, you know, can't look pretty good against the Falcons or the Lions, then I think any hope of this team winning, you know, eight nine games are, are completely gone. But um, Don't sleep on the Lions, dude. The Lions are better than people think they are. What is their record? Is it two and zero? Oh, isn't it? Are they? Are they two and zero? Oh? Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe they're good. I, I think they're probably still a, little, a year early. Um, but, uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing though. Like if they go and they beat the Falcons and they go and they beat the Lions, then this is a team that maybe can put away, you know, bad to mediocre teams and still make a, you know, have a shot at a wildcard spot. Who knows? So how wrong was I? <laughs> I think you might 
be wrong. They're one and one. one, and one. They're one and one. Uh, they almost beat the Eagles, um, which I think is still 38-35 against the Eagles. is There's nothing to – the Eagles look like a pretty good team right now um, in this, in this uh, NFC. But, yeah. So, let's talk about the 49ers for a second, only for a second. I, you know – a lot of interesting things happen in that game if you're a 49ers fan and you're hoping that they're something. So obviously the Trey Lance injury is huge. And I think that puts this team in a real bind, this franchise in a real bind. Um, they're fine for this year. Man, are they fortunate the way things turned out with Jimmy G. Like if they had traded him or let him go as was expected, who would be their quarterback right now? Like, I don't even know who their backup to backup would be. And that would be it pretty much for their year, uh, most likely. And so they do have Jimmy G. I don't know that Jimmy G is like, I mean, he looked pretty bad in that game. I mean, yes, they ended up eventually scoring some points, but he looked like the same guy that was an anchor around their neck when he's played for them before. So I think that's a big deal. And I think that that offense still struggled. Like they struggled against a really pretty bad Seahawks defense. It wasn't until, I mean, they didn't score in the second half until what there was like a couple minutes to go. Um, and a lot of their points in the first half, they got a touchdown from a muffed punt. Like they had to go, 10 yards or whatever and a blown coverage it wasn't it wasn't a great looking offensive performance by the the 49ers their defense looks really good um so i still look at the 49ers and i'm like they're one and one they lost to the bears i really think bad bears team and i thought for most of this game the seahawks played as bad as they could and they were in it they were in it even when it was 20 to 7 after after the return kick like if the seahawks could have done anything at that point it would have been a game um if they hadn't had the halfback pass for an interception at the goal line it's a different game so anyway i was not that impressed by the 49ers offense i think the defense does look uh especially with the the emerging of hufanga i, I think the defense could be really dangerous the offense will will round into form a little bit with Jimmy going into the the week as the starter, though. I mean, I, I think they probably had a lot of things in there that was Trey Lance specific um, that they have to adapt to. So uh, it'll be interesting because, I mean, Jimmy has always been, um, you know, he's always put a ceiling on that team, but he's, you know, never, I mean, he, he doesn't, he doesn't kill them. Right. So um, yeah, I think if that defense continues to play like that, they're going to be pretty good. Yeah. For sure. I mean, what do you think it does to them from a, for the, the Lance, the quarterback situation? Like, is there, is there a possible future where, man, they, let's say they make a run in the playoffs. Are they back to the same situation? Is Jimmy G going to come back here? Is there a chance they make him their starter and Lance is a backup? Uh, like, what do you do if you're the 49ers starting next year? It's a nightmare. I mean, I'm trying to think. So how many games has Trey Lance played in the last, like, what, three years? He's played three football games? 
2020 drafted last year, right? So in 2020, he played one game. Uh, last year, he played what two or three games? Yeah, I thought last year was his first year. Am I wrong? Yeah, and he played a couple games. Yeah, yeah okay, so like, yeah, he played started three games. Or, <laughs> he played one game in college in 2020. He played. He started two games in 2021, and he started two games in 2022. So it'll be like over four years. He'll have started five games, right? And and, and played in just uh, a couple extra, you know, uh, spot duty and stuff. So I, it, it completely delays his development. It completely delays their ability to assess what he is. Um, yeah, it, I, I don't. And I, I he has. You you can't imagine he has anything close to the trade value um, that they spent to get him or even just as a third, a third overall pick. Right. Um, uh, so it's, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think you could create a more disaster scenario for a quarterback or for any player really. Yeah. Yeah. It's just gonna be interesting to see uh, mm-hmm. this year's see how far they get, but let's say they don't win a super bowl this year, which is always the most likely scenario for most teams. Um, and then you've got Trey Lance and no first round picks for a while. So like, yeah, that's going to be an interesting, interesting thing to watch. Uh, Can I throw one other thing in there? Yes, please. One other thing I think that needs to be mentioned is the fact that um, they use their insurance policy in game two, right? Like they had Jimmy there in case of, you know, an issue. But what has happened is they use that insurance policy and now they have a quarterback who once again has durability issues. We know that he doesn't always play a full season. So they had that insurance policy. They thought they would make it through, but they had to use it so early. They have to be panicking to a certain extent about what they do if Jimmy goes down, which normally you don't panic about too much. But with Jimmy's history, I think I would a little. Yeah. I mean, would you would you trade spots with the Niners right now? If you could trade teams and you know draft picks and just completely swap it, and uh, move that team to Seattle and move the Seahawks down to the Niners, would you would you do it? No, because no, I think question. I, I think their defense is great. I don't know about their offense, and to be honest with you, after they gave away so much for Lance, they they're kind of in a rough spot. So I feel like maybe at least for the next five years, Seattle might be in a better spot. Although I think, well, like I said before, I, I guess we don't know what Trey Lance can be because once again, we can't get him on the field to see it. Right. But um, I, I don't know that I think I would feel better with a complete rebuild than the situation that they have, but I do love their defense. Can I just take their defense? I'd be good with that. I could just take their defense. Yeah, you got to trade the whole kit and caboodle. I um, it's a harder question than I would have thought. Partially because uh, I was raving about uh, Hufanga, who I just think is is going to be great. I think he's going to be really fun to watch, and I think uh, that defense. And then Debo is also like an amazing player to watch, and so. It's a Super Bowl team outside of one position. Um, and so realistically, maybe a slight lean towards no, because I think that realistically, they're probably not going to win the Super Bowl this year. 
And then I think they're going to be capped from being able to get to it because of the quarterback situation. But we've seen teams, I mean, the Rams look like that team before, and they managed to find a way to find a sucker to trade a decent quarterback, and that's all they needed, and they won. So maybe that that exists somewhere else. But I'm curious, what about you? I mean, the Seahawks situation, I think, is a lot more fun. Um, lots of draft picks, lots of unknown, lots of possibility, right? Um, you know, everything is right is in front of them to go, you know, recreate that 2012 team. Now, that's going to be insanely difficult and probably won't happen. Um, you know, the Niners have these really hard questions about Jimmy G and Trey Lance and no draft picks, but they have a dominant defense. And so they have something that they're working from. So like, you know, is it crazy to think that they end up with Kirk Cousins next year? And that's enough of an upgrade over Jimmy G that they're, you know, in the Super Bowl? I don't think so. So the the thought of switching with the Niners just feels gross. So I'm going to say <laughs> no. Yeah. But yeah, it is it is an interesting. I, I'm sure I'm I'm gonna check the chat here. I'm guessing people are going nuts that this is crazy and yeah, not really. Um, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I think the Seahawks are definitely in a more fun situation though, at least right now. So I'm gonna post something else for the two of you, and I'm gonna start by uh, we're talking about the 49ers. I know Dana loves it when we talk about Russ and and the Broncos, um, but they're playing each other this week, right? And I want to know who you're pulling for, like not not in your head. Who does your heart want? Like who? If you look at that score and you see X is ahead, twenty-five to nothing, who do you want that to be? Dana, I want to, I want to hear from you on this. Why me? Why do I got? Because because I know this topic bothers you. Oh no, it's fine. I get it. Um, uh, well, I I said this on Twitter, and I'll put it on. I'll put it out there again. I I do. I want San Francisco to win that game. And it, it has nothing to do with Russ, has everything to do with their draft pick. I want a higher draft pick. And the only way that we get a higher draft pick is if the Broncos lose. And so if you look at it logically. Now, <laughs> I think it's funny that the Denver Broncos who, you know, don't put punt returners on the field, you know, be San Francisco. Yeah, I'd laugh. I'd laugh real hard. Not going to lie. But my logical part of me is, is that the, the higher the draft pick, the better. How about you, Nathan? I still have hope for playoffs, so this is hard. Uh, and and the Niners need to be bad for that to happen. Seattle's not going to be good enough just to to get there on their own rights uh, or on their own merit or whatever. Uh, so yeah, I wish I had a crystal ball and I knew what this team's record was uh, like week fifteen, and then it would be really easy to say, you know, oh, just yeah, root much, for the right? Niners. Or... What is your what is your heart like if you if the score just flashed up there? What what do you think you're gonna feel happiest about if if it? If oh, that... Broncos. Broncos. I still like Russ. I still root for Russ. Yeah, He's playing division rival, so yeah, Broncos. Okay, yeah. For me, it's it's. It is the weirdest thing that, like, it's easy to say 49ers. Like, I never want to see the 49ers win. Ever. Ever, ever. The only other time I've ever wanted it was uh, against the Rams in the NFC uh, championship last year because I thought that Cincinnati had a better chance to beat the 49ers than the Rams. But other than that, like, never. And so... 
I am with you, Dana. Like I want, I want Denver to be like, I want Denver to crash and burn. I want Denver to be awful. And like, it's already started out pretty disastrous. Like they were real close to losing to the Texans, like real close to losing at the Texans at home. And the Texans didn't even play well. Losing six to nine too. I mean, it's just a crazy number. It was, I mean, I was watching that game because the Seahawks game, you know, was not worth focusing on every minute of every second. And, oh my God, like, the, the crowd counting down so that they wouldn't have another delay of game, the amount of plays that they had. I kept seeing the, the Broncos get these big plays or get a touchdown, and I uh, turned the channel right away to see, go back to the other thing. And I come back and it was like the points were off the board or the play was reversed. Like they had so many penalties, call things back. Russ was like, they had receivers dropping passes. They had injuries. Jerry Judy went out. Pat Sertain went out. Like if I'm a Broncos fan, I was like hyperventilating. <laughs> and there's this amazing thread on Twitter where like somebody that was at the game says, I'm at the game. They're booing. They're booing Russ. And like this, Denver fans says, I'm at the game. They're not booing Russ. They're booing the offensive line and the receivers and the coach. (laughs) So they're booing everybody but him. Like, is that coming out in their boos where they're like somehow like bending around the quarterback to everybody else? Like it was a week after like the Seahawks fans got eviscerated for booing Russ and here is the Broncos fans in his home debut, your quarter billion dollar quarterback. His first game, he's struggling and they're booing him. So fuck off, Denver. You get what you deserve. Like, I hope that continues all year. I hope they just eat it. So like, yeah, if there's a 49ers, I look up and it's 49 to nothing. I will probably laugh a lot at that. That would make me quite happy. Um, because they said, I don't believe we have a chance in hell of making the playoffs. That's where I like that. That's nowhere even in my head. I, lo- I would love that to be, to be wrong about that. That'd be fun, but that's not where, where my head's at at all. We're a week and a half away from the three and one Seattle Seahawks. Okay. All right. Um, I see it a little differently. Let's talk about that. So the Atlanta Falcons come into town, the O and two Atlanta Falcons, This is the Atlanta Falcons that were up, uh, what was it like? I want to look this up really quick. They're up uh, 26 to 10 uh, against the Saints in the first week of the season, in the fourth quarter, and they lost that game. Um, They then were down 31 to 10 to the Rams in the fourth quarter in week two and almost won that game. They actually got picked off in the Rams end zone. They lost 31 to 27. This is a team quarterback by Marcus Mariota. You got Kyle Pitts as an emerging, you know, talent at tight end. You got Grady Jarrett in the middle. I dare you to name anyone else. Like Drake London. Drake London. There you go. Is Cordell Patterson still on that team? He is. There he you is. go. Okay. See, this is why you guys are on a podcast. Look at you, kid. <laughs> I, I would guess that, that the list of Falcons you can name is probably less than most teams in the NFL. It's it's not it's not a roster full of proven talent. So 
what do you see, Dana? Like, what are you expecting to see this week against the Falcons? The success I think the Falcons had um, against the Rams, Marcus Mariota, the running quarterback, who would have ever thought that? No, but he had some wheels on him and he could get, get some yardage. Um, and I don't know that the Rams were ready for that. Um, I think that they... They took the Rams by several. I think the Rams just took the foot off the gas, to be quite honest with you, if you watched that game. And I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched part of it. Um, but when I look at the Falcons, really, there's not a lot of options. They have they have a – it's hard to even say a decent offense, but they have some offensive capability. Let's put it that way. <laughs> That's the nicest way to put it. Um, and so I think that there is a possibility that um, they can definitely score some points, especially against this defense and as poorly as they played. Um, but I don't think they would be hard to contain if you realized um, – if, if Marcus Mariota didn't start running on you again, or you could contain that in some way. Um, I, I think I'm pretty sure – I'm 99% sure I had this, win, this game as a win um, when we did our prediction show, and I still stand by that. I don't – they're, they're very hot and cold, as is Seattle. Um, but I, I think that Seattle just, first, especially because they're at home this week, right? Yes. Yeah, I think that'll give them an edge. I think if Seattle needs to remember, those fans in the stands need to remember their job. But I think that would throw them. But I think I think that Seattle should still win this game because there's just not a lot to be impressed about in Atlanta. Nathan, where are you at on the Falcons and, and what you're expecting to see this weekend? I, um, I mean, I think Seattle will win. They have talent. The Falcons do, um, but they don't seem. They seem like a lot of pieces and not much of a whole. Um, which you know, I know that Seattle's not in like a wonderfully better spot. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I just. I still have just a little bit of faith in this team. I, I think, you know, um, we know that like Daryl Taylor is better than this. Um, I, you know, maybe he won't ever get back to where he's been. Um, but that feels a little anomalous for a player that young to not to just suddenly like fall off a cliff. So I think there's, you know, hope for him. Um, you know, the, the tackles will continue to grow and get better. Um, and are playing okay now. Uh, I think Gino's playing just fine. Um, I think this running game has some potential in it that they could, you know, be more effective than they've been. Um, and so, yeah, I just, uh, um, you know, you're, you're talking about two teams that are in something of a reload or a rebuild, but I think Seattle is just in a better spot. They have a better coach. Um, yeah. I think that there's a clear, edge for seattle here interesting well we're gonna take patron questions here in a second i just my my spidey sense is tingling and it's deja vu a little bit where when the, we've had really bad seahawks teams before um that you see another team come in and you look at them and you're like ah that team's bad like yeah we're gonna beat them and then the game happens, and you're like, oh, right, we're bad. We're bad. Okay, no, I have to recalibrate this. So, you know, I, I'm hopeful that for the first time in, through what will be now the third week of the season, 
they will face a defense that is not that good and they'll have an opportunity to do something better or that resembles offense. Um, and I have hope this is a pretty awful offensive line, one of the worst that they're going to face. Hopeful that someone like Daryl Taylor can show why, you know, we have some hope for him. And so, yeah, like I think there's reasons to think that the Seahawks certainly have a better chance to win this game than they did to win the game last week. Um, but things don't just happen positively for football teams. They have to actually play well in order for good things to happen. And defensively, the Seahawks have not played well yet. Offensively, at least we've seen them play well for one half. We have not really seen the defense play well. I mean, you could say the second half of the Broncos game, but they were, I can't quite say it was really well. They just survived that half. So anyway, um, let's take some patron questions. Wait, before we do, can yeah. I ask you two a question? Yeah. So what do you think, um, what do you think the adjustments need to be made? What Each one of you, give me one adjustment that needs to be made, one on offense, one on defense, or one can take one or the other that you think would make the biggest impact. And the reason that I ask is because there are a lot of things that need to happen on this team, and we know that. But it, I have my thoughts on on what just these little things that they could change that would make a big impact. And I'm curious what you guys think. Um, like, what what is the one thing that you think they could just adjust and it would make a big impact, especially going against a team like Atlanta that also has a ton of holes? I think the probably the most... Well, there's, there's two really obvious ones. One is tackling, and I don't know that you can make an adjustment and just magically get better at tackling. Um, the one thing that is absolutely within their control is uh, being more aggressive in the passing game with Gino. Um, you know, now, how much of that is coaching? How much of that is just how Gino plays? I think we're going to find out, right? But Pete talked about this and said they need to let him cut it loose a little bit more. Um, and I think that's right. I mean, they, they need to find some explosive element to this offense. Um, the, the running game has not brought it really at all. Um, so, yeah, it has to be uh, letting Gino be more aggressive and pushing the ball downfield. Yeah, those are good. I a lot of this has to do with what your expectations are. So, like, because I'm not super hopeful about this team rounding into playoff form, I actually want to see them commit to the run in unnatural ways, and I don't think that's because it will then result in them playing immediately better offensive football. But it's because I think that a key for this team to eventually get where it needs to go is this offensive line has to figure out how to run block and how to be a intimidating group where they enforce their will, you know, impose their will on, on the opponents. And I don't think you get there by like onesie twosies. I think it's running when the other team knows you're going to run and you're going to run it anyway, and you get the hard yards. And so I would be, I would hate it. And I would be like bitching about it for sure. But I would like to see them just tell these guys, you're going to run it. You're going to run it over and over again and build that mentality. So at least there's some growth there. Um, and then complement that with, you know, 
some some deeper passes, some you know higher high risk high reward passes. So that's not my recipe for curing the offense, but it's my recipe for like hopefully growing them where I think they need to be. No, I like it. That's good. All right, Patreon questions. Let's see. The first one is from Andy. Curious about everyone's thoughts on Kobe Bryant's play so far. Seems like the future is bright and everyone is high on him, but watching games, it seems like he's getting beat or flagged nearly every time he's targeted. What are your thoughts there, Nathan? Yeah, I mean, I think he's been pretty disappointing so far. Um, uh, I, don't, I mean, he's a, a later round um, pick and probably playing sooner than he should. And so I don't think this is any like indictment on his career at this point but uh it hasn't been great and some of it's bad luck like the judy touchdown was you know unfortunate stuff like that but um yeah i agree i I don't think he's played particularly well yeah i'm not so down on kobe bryant i i feel like he's being asked to play nickel that may or may not be the right spot for him long term um I think there's been some signs like I've seen some some flashes where like he's just got a clear competitive spirit to him and generally like that bodes well for corners like I don't think I've seen any signs of him hanging his head or being down on himself so I'm still I'm still hopeful um, on him for me the weirder thing is I just I wonder what's happened with Sidney Jones I I think Sidney Jones is a is an above average starting corner. Like, I don't think he's great. I don't think he's a pro bowler, but like he's sitting there on the bench and I like Michael Jackson. He's a guy who was like talking up before he was, you know, the season started before preseason, before training camp. But I don't think he should be starting over Sidney Jones. And so that, that's been a little surprising to me. And I don't think it's health related. I think they've made the decision to play Kobe Bryant over him at nickel. I think Sidney Jones could probably play a better nickel than Kobe Bryant, but that's just my guess. Um, so that's been interesting. Yeah, I think he looks like a rookie. I think we need to give him a little time yet, but I think he looks just yeah. looks like a rookie. So, all right, this one's from KDB. In your opinion, what tweaks could Andy Dickerson make to the O-line that would help bolster the run game? I don't really think there's, I mean, I'm sure he's doing everything he knows to do. I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's a, uh, a get rich quick, thing there um i don't know yeah um yeah i uh i think that the thing that people don't realize a lot is that run game block like run blocking usually takes longer to develop sometimes it can take eight to 12 games as much as people don't want to hear it for a new offensive line to coordinate and get their their you know choreo- choreography together for how to, to to create holes in the run game so um they got how many new guys um on, on the line and then how many guys have been in and out with injury and this week it's looking like austin Blythe is not going to play so you know the enemy of any offensive line becoming great besides lack of talent would be lack of consistency um so i, I think that they need the same five guys to play for some period of time um, in order, and to stay on the field for some period of time um, to get that. Um, 
I'm going to give this one to you, Nathan. Who's been the most pleasant surprise through two weeks and who has been the most disappointing? And then they said, and it's Daryl Taylor. <laughs> yeah, it's Daryl Taylor. Daryl Taylor. Um, actually, I'm trying to think. Is there anyone else that I put in there? I don't think there is. Um, I don't think there's anyone close, actually. As a pleasant surprise? Uh, uh, for unpl- or disappointing. Um, yeah. Maybe like Puna or something like that. I, he hasn't been great. Um, I mean, uh, but most pleasant surprise, I, I, I don't think there's anyone close on this either. I think it's Tariq Woolen by like a mile, right? I mean, not that he's a surprise, but I think, you know, I don't know. He is still like a, a mid-round rookie that just converted from wide receiver and was playing at a small school. And this is what you dreamed he would do, but like he's actually doing it, I think. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I love Woolen. He's awesome. Yeah, that's hard to argue for sure. Um, that question was from Brondi. Um, this one is from Sean. Um, I'm going to give this one to you, Brian. Which of the Seahawks rookies has been the highest has the highest probability of becoming All Pro level? Uh, interesting. And why is I it mean, Kenneth Walker? Sorry, we saw Ken Walker get his first snaps. It's certainly not my pick, but um, I don't think Boye Mafe has yet shown that kind of. Uh, ceiling uh, yet you know I like our tackles but the first guy that comes to mind is Tariq Woolen I mean he's just so toolsy and he's starting and it doesn't look like he's gonna leave and yeah I think like once he gets his first pick I think we might see him take a next step and a next step so yeah that's the guy that to me feels like the has the tools and the early start that, that indicates that could be the case. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. There's two questions left. Um, another one from Brondi. Um, I'm going to give this one to you, Brian, too, because I want Nathan to answer the last one. So um, position of most concern two weeks into the season for you, Brian. Position of most concern. Linebacker. I mean, I still always has been. Yeah, it's not the most important position for sure. Like I I could go edge because I really like there's a lot of ways I could answer this. So like, for example, if if we had a top five pick and we were not picking a quarterback for whatever reason, what would be what would I want? I'd want a defensive tackle. Right. Like I don't see any of our guys projecting as being more than an average starter at this point in the in the interior line. But, you know, then I'd go to edge as the next most important. But like the one that's the concern is you got a first round pick that set a tackle record for your franchise last year. And Jordan Brooks, who looks like I know there's people out there saying he looks elite. He does not look elite to me. I see him getting swallowed up by blockers on almost every play. So he's not impacting the game where I'm seeing people having to deal with Jordan Brooks. I think he's being dealt with. So I I'm really concerned. I don't see anyone playing at a starter level at the linebacker spot. So that's probably my area. That's most concerning. Um, hopefully one of the easier positions to address, but, uh, if I, if I expand linebacker to include in a three, four Daryl Taylor and, uh, then, then yeah, that's an easy one. Okay. Nathan, this is not a running back question. So that's not why I gave it to you. 
Now, I just wanted your opinion on this. So this one is from Gar, and he says, what percentage do you give it that Locke is the starting quarterback next week? If Gino cannot cook, then I think it's time to give Drew a real shot with the ones. I I could, I don't know. I don't think Pete likes Drew Locke at all. <laughs> um, now, maybe he has a, you know, maybe they get killed by the Falcons and he's like, whatever, we are just going to tank. I think that's really unlikely for Pete. And even if they are going to tank, I think he would rather tank with Gino than tank with turnovers. He just, I don't know. That would be a really surprising thing for Pete to just ride out turnovers and interceptions. I mean, if they're bad at some point, it's just the right thing to do because he's young and he does have some talent, like physical talent and all that. And so you just, yeah, you got to give him a shot at some point probably, but um, next week, I don't think it's happening next week. Yeah, I agree. I think that if I, I think Pete hates to be wrong. And he picked Gino. So I think he's going to have to stick with that for at least a while before they they totally cave on that. So, all right, those are our Patreons. Well, thank you. And as folks know, uh, you can get to ask your own questions if you head over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger, get immediate access to the Slack channel. Uh, join a pretty awesome community that's talking about the games, talking about the Mariners as well uh, along the way. And... Getting free tickets to see the Seahawks. We gave away two tickets, free tickets, to see the Seahawks play the Falcons this weekend and do it to folks that are part of the community. So um, proceeds go to a good cause. Would love to see you join. Head on over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger and, and join the party. I uh, would love to see you there. And then you can answer or ask us questions and put us in the hot seat. Um, if you haven't already, please give the show a like, click subscribe and all that good stuff. As we get into the final part here, let's talk about predictions for this game. Um, Dana, you talked about your thoughts relative to how this game is going to play out. What what do you think the final score is going to be? Um, I still don't see an explosive offense out of Seattle. I think hopefully it'll be better. Um, I don't know that it'll be explosive, but again, we're paying, playing a much worse defense. So that, that, definitely could be it um i still think seattle wins i'm gonna say 27 24 okay nathan uh i'm just trying to decide how bold i want to be in my prediction here uh do we lose brian is he gone Dana Ogram is the, the host show. now. We, it's uh, all us. We get to yeah. do what we want. Dad left. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, I'll be bold. Um, Thirty-one seventeen Seahawks. I, I don't know. I, I I might be too down on this Falcons team, and I'm very possibly too high on the Seahawks team. But um, I don't know. I just think. I just, I don't have a lot of respect for this Falcons team, I guess. No. I get yeah. that. And, and But you have to give them some credit because they have put up points, right? Like we've seen them. We see, we saw them put up points against the Rams. Mm-hmm. Um, but is that the fluke? 
you know, that's kind of the question there. I, I don't know. I really thought this was going to be an easy one for Seattle this year, <laughs> which will prove me wrong. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't know. Maybe the Rams are bad. I don't think that's like out of the question, right? It might be out of the question. <laughs> I mean, no. Yeah, I get it. I get it. They didn't, they didn't look like a lot against the bills. Uh, you know, they're getting, uh, I don't know this, this whole season people are, you know, very quick after that Niners game. And I understand it because it was ugly. Um, but to just bury the Seahawks and, um, I don't know. It's a weird season still. It's a really weird season still. Like, what is going on with the Cardinals? What is going on with the Niners? They lost to the Bears. What is going on with the Rams? They've they've kind of struggled, and they you know had to uh, you know struggle to put away the Falcons, and and so like I just don't I don't know that we know a lot about the NFC right now or this division, and so yeah, I'm bracing myself to have been wrong about leaning into the playoffs, but I don't have any urge to like give up on the team yet um that might change in like three days but we'll see <laughs> yeah uh, so brian sent us a message his power went out <laughs> oh wow <laughs> he's gonna try and get back on okay that's good so at least we know he didn't just bail he's like i'm over you people i'm out see you later um you know I, I agree with you about the division and and if we can just talk about that for a minute wait for brian to come back on uh, even though the cardinals came back and beat the raiders they look like complete garbage in the first half of that game. And, and now I'm not so sure about the Raiders. I was really high on the Raiders before the season started um, having to look at that. You know, I cover that division pretty regularly. Um, so that was really surprising to me that the Cardinals came back. And I think that was out of sure, sheer will of Kyler Murray. I don't think that came from anywhere but him. Um, the Rams, I expect everyone to look like complete trash against the Bills because that's just how good I think that Bills team is. Um but there was an article put out by Turf Times, I think is who it was, that said, um, is Matt Stafford turning the Rams into the Lions? <laughs> it was like, it was meant to be a joke piece and everything, but it was like, got a lot of people talking. And no, that's not it. They're, they're still going to be good. But I think that there's there's definitely some question marks that each of the NFC West teams have given us this year, just in having a lot of, even just bad quarters of play. I, I, I said this um, on a show earlier this week, it, it feels like all of these teams have shown us ways they win and ways they can be beaten. And I don't think that we got that out of the Rams last year and we didn't get it often out of 49ers, except for when they played Seattle. Um, and so I get that question mark for sure. Nice to see you, Brian. <laughs> My son somehow managed to shut off power in the, in the house. So that was awesome. <laughs> uh, this has been a fun, you missed it at the beginning, Nathan. I, uh, we had, people joining the pod because I accidentally posted the Zoom join link um, to Twitter. So it's just been kind of one of those shows. It, it, it might be one of the one of those seasons. The, that is some peak boomer uh, right there. Accidentally <laughs> like, tweeting instead of DMing. Do you know how many like different things go on? You do actually. Like there's different things you click and link and whatever. And, and I'm an old That's man. True. So, um, <laughs> anyway, I missed. So what did you pick? What was your pick for the, the, the game? Uh, thirty-one seventeen Seahawks. I went bold. I went bold. Interesting. Okay, I, I'm going the other way. Um, shouldn't be surprised based on the way I've seen things so far. I think the Seahawks have to demonstrate to me that they're they're more coordinated and able to string better play together for longer periods of time. So 
I'm going to go 24-13 Falcons. Um, and and we're going to be full on into the suck. And uh, people are going to be very, very disappointed. Um, and we'll see how it goes. I, I'm not even sure which way I'm really hoping things go. Like, I always want the Seahawks to play well. I always enjoy watching them win. But, you know, we might need to hit bottom before we start making the climb. And I don't know that we've hit bottom yet. So we'll see. Uh, all right. Anything else that you all wanted? You guys were talking about the other NFC West teams. Anything you wanted to talk about there? Or other other places in the NFC or AFC before we uh, we hang it up? The one thing I will throw out is that the NFC West right now has a combined point differential of minus 42. Uh, only the Niners have a positive point differential, and it's nine points. Um, so we can dream still. We can dream for another week. Keep it alive. I mean, the Cardinals shouldn't have won last week. That was crazy. And yeah. I don't think they're going to do anything of interest. And they're stuck with Kyler Murray. They're they're limited. And to your point, the sometimes the best thing is to not have your, your quarterback yet. Because there's a potential you're going to find the next great one or a, a very good one. But there's always that moment when you get your quarterback and you commit to somebody. I'll, I'll, I'll always remember when the Bears traded for Jay Cutler and they traded, like I think, like two first-round picks to Denver for him or something. And I'm like, you guys are screwed. You just capped yourself for, like, once you've done that, not only is he limited in how, how well he's going to play for you, but you've spent enough that you're going to stick with that person for three, four years maybe. Before you like, so yeah, I feel like the Cardinals are in that place. I don't think he's ever going to win a Super Bowl, um, and and I think the Niners may be in that place, but they might be talented enough around him to get around that. And the Rams have already gotten their Super Bowl, but I don't know if they're going to get another one. We'll see. We'll see. Um, are we going to go ahead and skip the ridiculous conversation of let's not get a quarterback next year? That you no seriously come on wait who started that i missed it in the in our chat brian's like well what happens if we don't get a quarterback next year i had a heart attack so here's here's the here's the scenario nathan and, and Dana, I'll, I'll post it out there for everybody so the assumption about like getting a quarterback next year is based off of two things one is good quarterback class could be a great quarterback class get him when you can get him <laughs> That, that I think is sound logic and fine. Um, the other is that the team is good enough that they've got a roster that's basically like missing a quarterback. And if you get that quarterback, then you are going to be back in contention within a few years, right? Within a couple of years, uh, maybe a year after that. If this team truly is awful, like if they're not like, mediocre but they're awful and they are um it's looking like let's say that the seed let's just say the season ended now the whole season played and we're having the same conversations daryl taylor's awful he's not he's not the player we thought kobe bryant's not playing well you know maybe the offensive line isn't what we thought like there's just holes everywhere my argument there is it's at least a conversation that once you draft a quarterback the clock starts on their rookie deal. You've got five years of a first round pick on a rookie deal. And so 
I generally at least want to maximize the potential overlap between a rookie contract for a quarterback and your time to contend. And if you have that top pick and you're not a quarterback away and you're not even two to three years potentially from being a quarterback away and there's a dominating defensive tackle, you know, there's a 415 pound guy out of Florida that's making a lot of noise, whoever it is, I might want Aaron Donald first. And knowing that we're probably going to get another high pick the next year, he might go back to the well and get a quarterback the following year. Not saying that's certainly where I'd go, but I think it's a conversation. I don't know if I, I've seen a lot of people say that, right? You, you build the team first and then drop the quarterback in. I I don't know if I buy that so much. I mean, I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with getting the quarterback first because I think that's a position that does take a little bit more time to really hit its stride and then fill in talent around it, right? Like the 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 Jaguars were not, you know, they were able to turn around and what well, they picked first overall, right? Um, at the year after taking Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, it's not like you draft a quarterback and suddenly, you know, you're, you're not picking that high anymore. So I, I don't think it has to go that way um i i think it's so important that you find the guy that i i definitely wouldn't dick around and be like oh what if we tried to game our roster and we don't take this quarterback we think is really good and, and we'll wait a year and and because that way we build a team first like i think that's a that's a huge mistake and you know dangerous thing to do so um I don't know. Like, I definitely get the idea. I don't know if I think it's like that, that strong of an idea. Um, and I definitely wouldn't pass up on somebody that I had a lot of confidence in just to try to go a certain route with it. I just really think that this upcoming quarterback class is is special enough, or at least right now it looks. Now, by the end of the season, that might change, right? Like by the end of the college football season, I mean, there could be a lot of question marks there. But I just think that this is a class that, yeah, it's deep, but there's just, it's been so much hype about the talent. And so I I think that I I haven't heard the same about the next year. So we'll have to see about that. Um, But this is my big thing is that I think that Seattle has the draft capital to get the players that they want. And so if there is two or three players, they could probably make that happen. They're also going to have, I I just did a a cap podcast earlier in the week, and they'll have about $50 million next year, um, depending on how they wiggle with some of the, if they were to get rid of some of the players they have now, to which John, who I interviewed said Puna Ford and about had a heart attack, but um, I, cause I want Puna to stay, but um, I just think that that, I think that that might be, at least for the fan base, an unforgivable act to try and do two years with Geno Smith. I, I think that, yeah. that that would push this fan base over the edge. And I think it would be illogical for the front office too. But I think if you look at it no other way, it would be absolutely unforgivable from this fan base. So I think, though, what, what I thought... When, when you said this, not draft a quarterback this year, what I was thinking you were going with is, what if it's a different situation where Gino really is just terrible and, and the team is, you know, they win four or five games, but Jordan Brooks, Brooks looks good and Daryl Taylor rounds in the shape and Tariq Woolen continues to look awesome and Trey Brown comes back and he's good and yada, 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 right? Um, 
you know, do you go grab a Will Anderson or a, uh, that Georgia defensive lineman that I can't remember his name? Um, you know, do you go take a blue chip defensive lineman or a blue chip somewhere and then, you know, try to try to finagle a, a Kirk Cousins or uh, a, a car or and, you know, can you uh, point guard quarterback your way with an elite surrounding cast into a Super Bowl, right? I mean, Kirk Cousins, like, yeah, everyone dunks on Kirk Cousins. He's not that good, right? He's he's above average. But, like, can you he, – he's a probably a hell of a lot better than Geno. So can you upgrade the position enough that way and then, you know, just fill in talent around it? That, to me, like – I wouldn't do it necessarily, but I wouldn't be surprised if Pete wants to do it. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm not a huge fan of that play just because of the cost of the quarterback position. Even the mediocre or above average guys get paid a lot of money. So you're like, I think there's just such a huge advantage with a quarterback on a rookie contract. You know, I, I think that you have such an advantage if you can find a talented quarterback that's a you know that's a young player it's just a huge cheat code for for building out the rest of the roster it doesn't mean you're guaranteed of anything but it's just a huge advantage i i guess this is definitely not something i'm like pounding the table about but i'm very i am hopeful i am hopeful that the seahawks are going to have two picks in the top 15 next year and I don't, I don't think it's totally out of the question that they end up with two top 10 picks. Like, it's not likely yet, but I don't think it's out of the question that they end up with two top 10 picks. And that's not just two top 10 picks in the first round. That's two top 10 picks in the second round. So you could end up with, you know, four picks in the first, you know, 40 players, 35 players, you know, whatever it ends up being. So that plus... Uh, you Nathan, you know this better than me, uh, and Dana. I don't know. I, I don't watch as much college football as I used to, but it feels like this is shaping up to be a pretty talented class. Like I'm, I, I'm seeing players pop on defense. I'm seeing like pass rushers. I'm seeing, you know, quarterbacks seem like all over the place right now. It's early, early, but it feels like this could be a good like. It's one thing to have the picks and have it be like a 2013 draft where there's nobody worth taking, right? And you end up with like, uh, Aaron, who was our, Aaron, who was our uh, our linebacker that we took in like the third pick? Curry. Aaron Curry, right. I knew it was Aaron, right? So I, I feel like this could be the situation where we get the perfect storm, where we get the high picks and... There could be some like blue chip talent um, early in the draft. It's- I'm not saying you have to take a quarterback first. Yeah. I just want one of the good quarterbacks. And so if they do end up with two top 10 picks and the teams, you know, traditionally the top ones are quarterback needy, but, you know, I- I'm okay if they take some, your 400 pounder. I'm okay with that if they take their first because in three more picks, they can get their quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think that's very situational, but. Am I right and, on that, 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 that this is looking like a potentially talented crop coming out or yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, Anderson and the Georgia guys, uh, those, those 
those two alone are, you know, have been talked about as top three picks forever. And then you have Stroud and Young and, um, you know, Levis and some of these other guys. So there, there's, uh, yeah, and I don't even know anything about the offensive linemen, but there's always a good tackle and some of that stuff too. So, yeah, it, it should be a very talented class. Um, you know, the, the thing about this team, though, is it's not going to be expensive around the quarterback. So, like, I... I I don't know why I'm trying to talk myself into this Kirk Cousin idea, but uh, <laughs> I think because I'm so scared that it's actually going to happen. But like you could, you know, the thing that was so magical about the, the Super Bowl team is it wasn't just Russ on a cheap contract. Everybody was on a cheap contract, right? Um, so Seattle will have a lot of cheap players. They're going to have a ton of cap space. You know, throwing some money at a Kirk Cousins or something like that is not going to um necessarily like hamstring them so much so let's let's not spend the money on a kirk cousins though like the the, what i what i like and i know you're not really advocating for it but yes the seahawks had a lot of cheap contracts and guys on rookie contracts but um that allowed them to spend on pass rushers right that allowed them to fill in other gaps or offensive line at that point you know whether they spent it well that's debatable but I would love for them to be able to go make a trade for a top tier pass rusher to complete this picture, you know, and afford someone that's proven there or pick a position that you can't project as easily. Maybe it's an offensive lineman, right? Whatever. So I, I don't want that money going to a free agent quarterback unless, you know, I'm okay with Gardner Minshew getting a, you know, a short deal with us. I'd like to watch him play in Seattle. That would be fun. But, but no, I, realistically i'll be just excited as anybody else if they pick a rookie quarterback and what i'm really just hoping for is that there's enough talent that's showing up this year that feels like okay it's not going to be a quarterback and and nothing else (laughs) right now there's a lot of nothing going on so like let's see let's see some of the young guys step forward and, and start getting their their footing okay with that, we are going to wrap it for the night. Uh, appreciate everyone tuning in. If you haven't already, please click the like button, uh, click subscribe and the bell to get notified when we go live. And we will see you hopefully for post game. I will not be able to do post game. We haven't figured out whether or not other folks will be able to, but I will not be able to do post game this weekend. Hopefully we will do that for you. Uh, and again, go to patreon.com slash sign up there. Um, you might be able to go to the next home game. You never know. So uh, join now and we will talk to you all soon. Take care. Have a good night. And uh, as always, 